Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we have a very special guest with us that is joining us all the way from Texas. Pastor Max, would you welcome our audience and then just help us understand a little bit about what we're talking about today and some of the things that God has burdened your heart with that we're going to share with our audience today? Well, hello, everybody, and thank you, Rachel. It's a real treat to be with you. Yes, I send you greetings from San Antonio, Texas, and love what we're going to discuss. I'm a pastor. I've been at this same church since 1988. I love to tell and teach Bible stories. And what we're going to be discussing today is the life of Jacob, the life of Jacob. We're following along a book that recently came out. I think it's coming out this week as we're taping this. Uh, God will never give up on you. That's the message of Jacob. And I'm super excited, Rachel, to have this opportunity to Talk with your audience, your wonderful audience, about an understanding of God's grace, His mercy, and His relentless devotion to us. I love that. The The tagline in your book, it says, teaches us about grace, mercy, and God's relentless love. And I love that you call this a refresher course because I think it's something that we know, but sometimes we often forget that God uses imperfect people to do great things. And this life of Jacob, I think, is something that many of us can relate to, especially in a season where there's been a lot of chaos in the world and, and we find ourselves in this place of just, man, what's next and the frustrations that happen. So I, I thought it might be a good place to start if you could describe some of the terms you talk about in your book, the super saint versus the tilted halo. Can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit and then also share where you see yourself within those two categories? Well, I see myself as a tilted halo person for sure. I'm a converted drunk. I'm absolutely aware of how frail the human spirit is without the help of the Holy Spirit. And ever since temptation knocking at the door, maybe there's somebody somewhere who doesn't fear that temptation will find a way into their lives. If so, I may have a sermon or two on humility <laughs> from which they could benefit. Uh, I, I, I'd start off the book talking about that if you do see yourself as a super saint, this book's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. But, it, but if you do find yourself you know, struggling to keep your spiritual cheese on your cracker, to keep your balance, to keep your equilibrium, to keep your, keep your temper, keep your cool, then the story of Jacob is the story for you. We don't often think about Old Testament characters as a picture of grace. We, we have this binary, this dichotomy of, of grace as New Testament and, and law as Old Testament. I don't hold to that. I, I, I think that the 
God of grace is a God who has been a God of grace in the very since the very beginning. And if you want a great example of uh, the great grace of God, then look at the lives of people like King David, who cheated on his wife, the, the stories of Abraham, who lied about his wife, but most of all, the story of Jacob, uh, who just seemed like from beginning to end, he was living up to his name. His name means deceiver, and it carries with it a connotation of scoundrel. He always seemed to be working the system, but he had been given a place in God's covenant, and that is that through his lineage, God would bless the world. In that covenant, once God makes a covenant, he never breaks it. He sees the end from the beginning. And when he makes a promise, it's like he's declaring a decree. He's making a decree. This will happen. You and I might change horses in the middle of the stream, not God. Once he says something, it happens. So Jacob was the beneficiary of God's faithfulness, as are all of us. And I think the hero then of of the Jacob story is a lot less Jacob. And it's more God. Absolutely. You know, that's something that I talk about a lot on the show that, you know, so much of Scripture is descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive, especially when we're talking about some of these individuals that have messiness around them. And like you said, God is really the true hero of that story. I I think that is such a good example for us. And You know, I guess given that lens, what does Jacob's story tell us about God being this God of second chances? And also, what does Jacob's story reveal to us about God's character? Would it help for me to do a quick summary of the Jacob story in case somebody's trying to remember where he fits in Bible history? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. So Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Abraham was given a promise by God that through the descendants of Abraham, God would bless the world. And oh my goodness, has God kept that promise? Because through the descendants of Abraham, we have the wonderful Jewish nation. Through the Jewish nation, we have all these stories of Esther, Daniel, David, Isaac. But most of all, we have Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we have the church. Jesus was a Jew, the church was founded by Jewish people, and then we as Gentiles, or those of us who are Gentiles, have been beneficiaries of that covenant. So God has made a covenant with Israel, and that covenant began with Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac married Rebekah, and Rebekah and Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob twins. They were already fighting in the womb, the scripture tells us. And uh, Rebecca said that God told her that the younger would rule over the older. Well, in this case, the younger was Jacob, the older was Esau. So God had already determined that Jacob would be the head of the clan. But rather than wait for God to create that scenario, Jacob and Rebekah took matters into their own hands. And here's where the story of Jacob begins. Deceiving his brother, swindling his brother out of that birthright, deceiving his father, telling his father, nearly blind father, that he himself is the older brother and receiving the blessing that should have gone to the older brother. 
And so the tone of the story is set. Jacob is working the system, ever taking shortcuts, cutting corners, not waiting on God, and as a result, running. He has to go into hiding. His brother Esau is going to kill him. I mean, this is not a happy story. This could be a reality TV show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And Jacob, however, though he does nothing to earn the attention of God, as he's running from God, God appears to him, reiterates that blessing, presents to him Jacob's ladder, that famous vision, that dream that Jacob had in which angels are ascending and descending, and recommits himself. And not recommits, but reminds Jacob that this this covenant it includes him, and so on. What we have is God ever faithful to Jacob, Jacob ever forgetful of God. Now that reminds me of me, God ever faithful to Max, Max ever forgetful of God. Jacob tended to lean on his own strength. Max does that. Jacob tended to try to negotiate with God. Max does that. Jacob tended to end up up having a taste of his own medicine. I've had a taste of my own. I think that's why I love the story of Jacob. He he reminds us of ourselves. Some people can relate to Joseph. I mean, not a bad thing is written about Joseph. Some can relate to Mary, mystical and so faithful. Some can relate to the Apostle Paul, though he had his struggles. He was so brilliant. But I think a lot of us can relate to Jacob. Oh, but he, he never preached a sermon that we know of. If he, you know, did anything noble, well, it's, it's outnumbered by the ignoble things he did. But God was faithful to him. And in the end, that's the message that we get from his story. You know, one of the things that we that I love about the story and also that we talk about a lot on this show is this idea of being honest with where we're at. And so I never shy away from being raw and vulnerable and sharing that I, too, come from brokenness. And there's just this inherent struggle that is part of the reality of the Christian life. We we know what we should do, and yet we always seem to find ourselves struggling. I think the appeal of this book that you have written for many people is recognizing that we all struggle sometimes. And I would be curious to know your thoughts on what do you think the upside is of starting in that place? Because what we see in Jacob's story is the reality of the fact that that even though Jacob struggled, we still still see God's faithfulness there. And I think trying to relate that to the everyday lives of the listeners of the show, how would you connect those two trains of thought there? I think trying to present yourself as having no struggles is absolutely exhausting. For sure. It's exhausting. Nothing is more, nothing is heavier than the weight of perfection. And if a person feels like it's their job to present themselves as perfect, they are setting themselves up for an impossible, impossible task. I, I'm a pastor. I have been all of my life since 1979. So I run in the circle uh, of pastors and pastors tend to do this, you know, they, they, for fear of setting a bad example, they hide their bad examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And and what I've learned is that that stresses the pastor out. We talk a lot about pastor burnout, and uh, oh, what one of the reasons that there is pastor burnout is because pastors are afraid that if they really disclose to the church the challenges that they have, not necessarily in the pastorate, just in the human life, mm-hmm. that they will disappoint, disappoint the church, or the church won't look up to them. I found just the opposite is the case. You know, nothing endears the church to their pastor. Nothing endears the pastor more to the church than just just honest. Mm-hmm. The same can be said in a family. You know, if a if a dad or a mom feels like they have to uh, be one way with their kids and another way away from their kids, then they're going to forget which way they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and uh, their kids will see through that. folks. Folks sniff out hypocrisy. Folks can sniff it out. And people have an allergy to hypocrisy. And so stories like the story of Jacob invite us to just be honest, you know, confess your sins to one another, the scripture says, and you will be healed. Even Jesus, if anyone, if anyone could have justifiably presented himself as Teflon-coated, never with any struggles or questions. It would be the Son of God. But Jesus was overheard saying, how long must I put up with these people? (laughs) You know, uh, Jesus was seen in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, crying out to God, do I have to do this? And so there is even the vulnerability that comes with Jesus that proves inspirational to us. So I I think think if, if we can... Release somebody today from that fear of, you know, letting people down for fear of appearing, uh, you know, uh, heartfelt and honest. We'd be doing a good thing uh, if we, we release them of that expectation. Absolutely. I love that so much. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking was something that you deal with in the book, that sometimes the choices of others can hurt us as much as our own choices. And even being vulnerable with that. And you talk about, and we learn about in the story of Jacob, this situation that he had to deal with from Laban. And so can you talk about that a little bit and what we can learn from Jacob and Laban? Because I think that's something also we struggle to reconcile that sometimes even when we're doing our best trying to hold it all together, it still doesn't work. We all have a Laban in our lives. A Laban is somebody who uses us to accomplish their ends. We tend to call them narcissists, manipulators. They're deceitful. They can exhaust us. You may have one in your family. You may have one at work. And learning to relate to Laban is not an easy job. By the way, the story of Laban, though, is just so hilarious. It's just so funny. And I know that your listeners know it, in case they don't. Jacob, having betrayed his brother, hightails it to the land of Laban, his uncle. And when he gets there, he sees Laban's daughter, Rachel. Rachel. Oh, she must have been drop-dead beauty, because he falls for her like a stone. Within short order, he's asking Laban, if he can marry Laban's daughter, Rachel, 
Laban's a camel trader himself, and and uh, he gets seven years of labor out of Jacob. And and yet there's that delightful scripture that the time seemed as if it were nothing because <laughs> Jacob was so impressed in love with, with Rachel. Romance, romance. Well, the wedding day rolls around. And the Hebrew word for feast, wedding feast, can can imply drunkenness. That's the only way I can explain what, as, at least that's the explanation, Rachel, speaking of Rachel's, that makes sense to me. And that is that Jacob got himself not dead drunk on the day of his wedding. And when he went into the wedding tent to consummate his marriage with Rachel, he woke up the next morning, having done so with Rachel's older sister, Leah. Leah was is not re- remembered in Scripture as quite the beauty that Rachel was. And, of course, Jacob was infuriated. But <laughs> Laban said, hey, you know, it's right that the firstborn should be married first before the secondborn. Conveniently, he didn't tell Jacob that earlier. And so all these things are happening that remind us of what Jacob did. You know, Jacob cheated his family, and Jacob swindled his brother, and Jacob uh, lied to those close to him, and now he gets swindled. He gets lied to. And and there's a message here, and, and I think it's something like, even though God covers us in his grace, he allows us to and experience the consequences of our misbehaviors. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, he may forgive a person for getting drunk, but he's not going to take the hangover. Mm-hmm. He may forgive a person for mismanaging the funds, but he's not going to replenish the bank account. So if God is not easily mocked, what we sow, we will also reap. And, and Jacob did. Jacob did. But he's still stuck with Laban. He's still stuck with Laban. And we find ourselves trying to give and take with these Laban-like characters. I think there are two or three things we can do. Because somebody is listening, saying, man, tell me what to do with my Laban. (laughs) Thank God for them. What'd you say? Yeah, thank God. Oh, that's hard. Count it all joy, my brother, whenever you face various trials and tribulations. Yeah, I know it's hard. But, you know, your Laban is in your life for a purpose. And Laban taught Jacob lessons about Jacob's misbehavior. So, so just be grateful. Be grateful that God is, is working for you. And then pray for Laban. Pray for that person. Pray for that person. And then at the certain point when it's right, just disconnect yourself. That's what Jacob did. You know, just because we have a human being in our life doesn't mean we have to be in close proximity to that person. We've had some labels in each of us in our lives. And if you need to put some distance between you and that person, because you think that person is turning you into a bad person, it's okay. It's okay. God has other people to help that Laban be a better person. Whenever you find out that your Laban is causing you to descend to the level of Laban, reconsider. Maybe it's time to take a different job. Maybe it's time to move to a different house. I know when I became a Christian, I I was in college. I ran with a really rough crowd, and I thought, I'm going to go and convince all my crowd to swap their Coors for Christ. I did not make any headway. Mm -hmm. And within two or three weeks, 
I said, all right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of this group. And I actually told them, I said, I can't run around with you guys. Anymore. And uh, I found some new friends. That was a good move on my part because sometimes we're not strong enough to be the influencer. We're still being influenced. Jacob finally got out after 20 years. Maybe he should have gotten out sooner, but he got out. He got out and he was resolved. And he did believe that God had been with him that whole time. And so my prayer for all of us who have a Laban in our lives, be thankful for him, pray for him, and at the right time, get out of Dodge. You know, I love that. And I think that is so, it, it's inconsistent with what we've been talking about on the show for, for quite a while, because it, it seems to be so prevalent these days. And when we talk about things like boundaries and how to face the trauma of our past, but recognizing perhaps what God wants for us in our future, I think one of the things that when I've talked to my listeners, one of the things that we struggle with is wanting to hold on to the hurt or the anger or the pain. And especially when we do have a Laban in our lives, sometimes it's almost easier to want to be angry with that person than to deal with the fallout of what it looks like to separate from that relationship. So I wondered if you could maybe speak to that a little bit. And then also understanding that that brokenness can really only be repaired in one way. So I thought perhaps that would be a good way for us to maybe finish up today to kind of look at the consequences of those labels in our lives. Well, if you were to Google the phrase, I talk about this in the book, I think it's kind of a funny story, catfish and codfish. Mm-hmm. It's an apocryphal story. It's not true. I thought it was. So disclosure, it's not true. But still, it's a fun story. And the story is that fishermen used to strengthen codfish by putting a catfish in the tank with them because catfish would chase codfish and codfish would get stronger. And when they got to market, they were a better sale. Now, that's not true. They don't do that. I thought it was a great story. Somebody checked me on that. And so I corrected it in the book. But the fact is, we all have a catfish in our life. And that catfish is that cranky boss, that tough neighbor, could be an in-law, you know, uh, could be somebody with whom we work, and they just seem to press our buttons. I mean, they agitate us. Laban was a catfish to Jacob, the codfish. But here's what we see. When Jacob left Mesopotamia to return to Bethel, or at least head in the direction of Bethel. He was a stronger man. He was a stronger man. He could stand up to uh, Laban. He had amassed his own uh, fortune. He had a large family. He had servants. He had camels. He had herds. And so he, by virtue of learning to live with Laban, became a better person. And I mentioned this earlier, but he says, God has been watching me. God has been watching me. And so listen God is watching you. God is watching you. Don't stoop to the level of the Laban. Ask God, what am I learning? What do you want me to learn? What are you trying to teach me? What muscle are you trying to develop? And trust that at the right time, God will either use you to change Laban or God will urge you to leave Laban. Just trust. Just trust. Don't let Laban turn you into a Laban, though. Don't let him make you bitter. Don't let him make you sour. Don't let him make you angry. Just don't. Don't give in to that. Don't give in to that. This is an opportunity 
for you to lean into God, lean on God like never, ever before. And you're going to be a better person because of this. God has solutions that you've never seen. In my mind, I'm thinking about two or three late, and I'm a really peace-loving guy. I seem to be able to get along with everybody. But there have been a couple of people with whom I've had close proximity in my work, and I thought, I just can't work with that guy. Mm. And I will pray, I'll struggle, I'll avoid them in the hallway, we'll have tough conversations, I'll try to confront them, they stand back at me. And, you know, I think I'm better because of it. And in each situation, God gave that person a better opportunity, and they moved. They left. I didn't have to do it. Now, I don't know what exactly God's plan is for each person and their labor, but I do know if we can just stay thankful, stay prayerful, stay faithful, and don't let Laban pull us down to be a Laban, then everything will turn out okay. Mm, I love that. That's so wise. Well, I was wondering if you would be willing to pray for our listeners today that may be in this kind of situation. And and I think maybe two aspects to cover in the prayer. Number one, of course, what we've been talking about, if they're dealing with a Laban in their lives, because I think it's it's just a matter of time. If you haven't experienced this yet, it's probably just a matter of time until you do. Be patient. They're coming. Yeah. yeah. And then also this understanding of the tilted halo and how... If God can use Jacob, you know, God can redeem and restore all things. So perhaps maybe God could use our listeners as well, despite the things that they have faced or walked through or the brokenness that they come from. I think those are two really important aspects that I want to make sure people come away with today. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lord, we as we think about you, I'd like to ponder your sovereignty. Your sovereignty means that you are reigning over the affairs of humanity, and that you have determined in advance uh, the time in which we live and the area or the neighborhoods in which we live. And you knew that there would be a Laban on our street or in our workplace or in our school. You knew this. Even so, you placed us in their proximity. And so, dear Father, we know that you, you will use this for your good. My first prayer, help me to be a good influence over those who seek to be a bad influence over me. Help me, Lord. Help me not to give in, not not to change my behavior. Help me to be the same person with them that I am when they're not around. Help me to influence them because they have souls and they too will stand before you in judgment. Dearest Father, if I can't, if I'm not your person for that, don't let them influence me. And Heavenly Father, show me the right way to put up a boundary so that I do not uh, lower myself to their level. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you use broken people. And you not only use the broken, you use the greatly broken. You do great things with the greatly broken. Thank you, Father, for stories like Peter, who denied you, David, who betrayed his wife. Thank you for stories like even Abraham, who lied about his wife. Thank you for Paul, who seemed to struggle with patience, but was such a portrait of grace. Just person after person, Lord, how you use us and use them. We do thank you that you do great things with the greatly broken. 
Thank you, Father, for Jacob. Thank you that he ended his life standing, leaning into his staff, worshiping you. And may we end our lives doing the same. Thank you for Rachel. Thank you for her faithful service. Bless every single one of her listeners today. Through Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and just sharing your heart and sharing this message. I know it's going to bless a lot of people. All the best to all of you. I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.